A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It is Tuesday, February 20th. The Chuck Oliver Show. And we're talking college football. Now, as an extension of that, we're going to talk, at least we're going to reference pro football. Because Jim Harbaugh is now an NFL head coach. And I say... Yeah, we're talking with Dave Bartu, who he's in the personnel game. He's in the he's in the the asset allocation game, the widgets game. I have X of this commodity, cash, scholarships, coaching slots. I want Y outcome. How do I get there? So we're talking all of these scenarios. I'm talking Michigan, because again, Michigan's a great place to be DC. And so they got a guy from the pros. Michigan's a great place to coach linebackers. Well, they wouldn't got a guy from Tennessee. And so, I don't know. If I'm already living in Knoxville, in fact, let me flip that. If I'm already the linebackers coach at Michigan and Tennessee offers, I think I'm going to, I am going to Tennessee. I will add this. I don't necessarily care. I think if you're getting paid like, I don't know, 650 to coach linebackers and recruit some, maybe more if you're a stud. Your recruiting coordinator. I think if you're living in Tennessee and making that sort of cash, well, it, you know, all your ends should be meeting. There's no state income tax in Tennessee as well. So tack on another whatever, 6.5% to that, potentially. Plus, you don't have to live in Michigan. And living in Tennessee, I don't know, it's kind of cold. And the river and like, yes. Well, he went to Michigan. So this unfolded, and then he got the linebackers coach. Ron Moore got the linebackers coach from Tennessee. Tennessee then went to Alabama. So you see all of this is happening, and it all happens. I said over the last month, because Michigan, everything was open for transfer players, for coaches on other staffs, for coaches in the NFL. Michigan, it's... It's like if you you better took a snapshot of that team. I mean, as it was going to 0-1 in the national championship game, boof. Because it's almost like a high school graduation where everybody just whoosh. Now, some of that is built in because in college sports, there's supposed to be that turnover every four years or five years, and now it's every 12 months or three months. This level of player and then you extend it to the coaching staff i said over the past month well jim harbaugh got named chargers head coach on january 24th so we're sitting right at a month might be the biggest exodus of talent from an elite team in one month players coaches everything i hope this puts it in perspective because we were talking with bartu and remember bartu was just numbers man Bartu ran a model going back two years ago. He started betting, like actual bet, like $10. He would bet 
on every WNBA game that happened. He would just put in his parameters, and wherever the number fell, he didn't even know anything about the players or the injuries. He's like, doesn't matter. He's like, it's numbers. Boom. He bet every WNBA game. Won like 62% of the time. So to him, it's just numbers. So we're talking to him about the Michigan coaching staff and to put in perspective the players, the coaches, everything at a great, great program like that just being absolutely pick clean. I think you have to go back to when the SMU program, which we think if you're 30, 25, 20, you may have a proper understanding of where SMU is now. SMU was a national championship contender from probably 1980 to about 1987 until the NCAA said, we're not going to let you play football next season. They didn't play football for two years. Most people get that confused. SMU, it was only a one-year death penalty. The school said, oh, they realized... The NCAA thought, well, take football away. It'll just be a pause. You'll have everything but games, and then you'll come back. Oh, by the way, uh, all the players, y'all are free agents. For the first time, they released every player from scholarship. So you had a championship program, and that's what SMU was. They were putting first-round draft picks, brother. That was a, a 30, at that point, 30th franchise sort of, 29th franchise sort of thing. Um, they were good. I mean, deep and talented and rough and tumble. Just a real, that was a great, that was a great watch. And then the NCAA said, so you don't get to play. And it's not fair to these players since, because they didn't do anything. They were just kids. It's the adults in the room. So all these guys, y'all are released from scholarship. Y'all can stay and run and lift and practice for a year and have no games. Or you can transfer with immediate eligibility. What do you think happened? Jim Donnan, who... We've had on before. Jim Don is really, I always enjoy talking to him. He was an assistant coach. He's the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He's a national champion at Oklahoma, OC. Said Barry Switzer called him in the office. He said, get down to Dallas, start handing out scholarships. He says he was on the plane with the recruiter from Air Force. And I was like, what's Air Force doing there? Um, And like five other schools. The guy from Air Force was like, you never know. So... You, they all went down there, and it was a feeding frenzy. It was like you just released all of these free agents. That it was, the, it was so unique. Well, that's what it is for every team every year now. But it never happens to that degree. See, that's one of the things that we leave out when we talk about Caleb DeBoer got hired and 20 tied players immediately in the portal. My gosh, Caleb Downs. Well, all of that's true. It might have been, I think it was 20. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it was 20. 20 players, and I know it was Caleb Downs. And so, oh, my goodness. Oh, well, yeah. But there were like 46 players that stayed. So that's kind of in some of the one of the, at least one of the portal, didn't he come stayed back? And they got their own kids from the portal. They got high school kids. And so all of this kind of is going to shake out. At Michigan, they've got their own version of that. But, I mean, it's too... It's to an extreme degree. And one big difference is while you got an on-site guy there in Sharon Moore in Alabama, Caleb DeBoer, he's already been head coach for a team undefeated regular season and a team that got to the playoffs. So he's already had that. Um, and 
even that, like, I don't know, Jalen Milrow's back. <laughs> um, they've got a lot of name talent that is returning. I told you at Michigan earlier, if you the furthest away from the football you can get on defense, okay, you've got experience at Michigan returning. Everywhere else, you got cats introducing themselves. At Alabama, it starts with Jalen Milrow. It goes to those two, I guess, rising freshmen, Jam Miller and Justice Haynes. Then the offensive line, you look at and go, okay, I think I like this. And the receivers have been young and talented and been cycled through. It's been a new fruit basket of receivers every year. But I don't know. So who do I see? JoJo Earl. Is he playing defense? No, it's Earl Little. Somebody's playing like a former four-star, five-star kid at Bama's now a corner. Um, and Ajay Hall, like all these names that have come through, um, Isaiah Bond. And so they've got talent out there and some of it is returning on defense. Some of it is in the NFL. Some of it's in Columbus, Ohio. Some of it's still in Tuscaloosa Ann Arbor. Not really. And a new head coach, and I'm going to say first time ever because, yeah, I know about three games, but mm, not really. So, I don't, it's just, I think it is an extreme statement. I, it may be had just spot on from a championship elite program, which is what the ponies were. You may have to go back to a team where the NCAA took football away to have seen this much talent lost from the coaching staff and from the roster. Hey, how's that Tuesday, man? You know, it's funny, Chuck, because there's a lot of reaction to something that happened yesterday that to me should not have prompted any kind of shocking reaction. The reaction, OMG, the Alabama coach tweeted. Now, Kalen DeBoer has been on Twitter since 2012. He's not Lane Kiffin. He's not a dude who's constantly firing off shots. But there's been an account in Kalen DeBoer's name on Twitter now for more than a decade. But he hadn't actually sent out any tweets. He had forwarded a couple of tweets, but he had not himself sent out a tweet since becoming the Bama coach. So I don't know if people thought, well, Saban never tweeted or even had an account with his name on it, so he's going to do the same thing and just be publicly silent on social media or what. But yesterday... DeBoer sending out a tweet talking about the student-athletes of the week and saying, quote, great work, gentlemen. Not exactly controversial stuff there. But people are like, oh, my gosh, he tweeted. Things are changing. The Bama coach tweeted. Was it him or a staffer? I'm, I'm going to guess there's a pretty good chance it was a staffer anyway, but I just think it was so funny. It's like, yeah, folks, he's, he's not Nick Saban. He's a different guy who needs to market himself a different way. He's going to do more interviews with more people than Saban this year. I guarantee you he will. He's going to do some things different. And then there's also going to be just random personal preference. You know what I bet he's not going to do, Chuck? I bet that man's not going to funnel down Little Debbie cakes. I bet that man maybe has an Egg McMuffin for breakfast or something rather than an oatmeal pie. And the world will, in fact, go on. It's just so funny seeing people react. Oh, my gosh. He tweeted. Is that allowed? It's going to be okay, folks. I promise. He would what? He would have his. I, the way I heard about this, I had asked him about it. I was like, "What's up with the little Debbies?" And he said, "I have two little Debbies with coffee in the morning." And he said, "He did you ever hear the, like what what he was doing during the two little Debbies uh, consumption and the coffee?" He said, 
and I watch the Weather Channel to see if we can practice outside. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Coach, it's 2019. I don't think you have to sit down in front of the Weather Channel and, and wait like 10 minutes for it to get to the southeast radar. But he would say, so I watch the Weather Channel to see if we can um, – see, I don't think Kalen DeBoer is watching the Weather Channel. He might use an find- app. It's crazy times. He may. He may look down and see live radar on his phone. Um, it's sorcery, I know. But Nick Saban, I I don't know. He would have like eight minutes of non-hectic in his life, and it would be Little Debbie's, two of them, coffee, which just sounds delightful, uh, and watch Weather Channel to see where they were going to practice. Um, I don't know. He was a treasure. I've told you, I had my marketing idea. I knew what it was. Saban on a shelf. Not Elf on the Shelf. Like every high school, every college coach in America would have a Saban on the Shelf. Like you think maybe you're done practicing that day or watching film and you and you look up and you see Saban on the Shelf. I'm <laughs> telling you, that is the next level of income for him. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back, talk a little George Tech. Chris Monihan from George Tech Radio Network. King of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now, more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Charles Kelly was just one in a long line. He was the he'd been a uh, position coach and then moved up to, all the way to DC at Georgia Tech. And Paul Johnson, I like he he had found he'd found the right one. And then Florida State and Jimbo showed up and there was nothing Paul Johnson could do. Like dude was leaving. Is that still the case at Georgia Tech? I think we're gonna find out because Buster Faulkner. Wow, what a tasty choice for somebody. I thought Kentucky was going to come call them. They got Boise State's OC. Do you know why it was so easy for Bush Hamden to leave Boise and go to Kentucky? Because he was making 275 at Boise. He's making like 1.5 at Kentucky. And coaches better athletes there. So it is the shifting sand and the changing landscape. And for Brent Key and Georgia Tech, I hope it's getting better. I want to welcome on right now, talk a little Georgia Tech and then big picture ACC in general from the Georgia Tech Radio Network. It is Chris Mooneyham. Mooneyham, what's up, dog? Uh, good afternoon, Chuck. Thanks for having me, man. Big fan of the show, as you know, and it's uh, great to be with you. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, somebody in the SEC, like an attractive, a, a pretty somebody like Ole Miss or Auburn or somebody, comes and true loves Buster Faulkner. Can jo- Like, if you want to leave for a heritage program, I mean, there's not much you can do, you know, when the assistant wants to leave. Um, at least money-wise, can, can Tech fight back? Because there's a history of Tech not being able to really fight back. I I think that the short answer is no, but it's moving in the other direction. Uh, That's part of what Jay Batt and and his crew, Charles Nieves, and those guys really want to try to stem the tide of. I will tell you that uh, I've I've heard other rumors of of a couple of teams in the SEC coming after Faulkner, one of which you named a moment ago. Um, I think Buster really believes in Brent Key, though and really believes in the state of Georgia. You know Buster's background. You know his resume. 
You know his connection to the state of Georgia. He was a, a, a really well-known high school football player here, really well-known coordinator and coach in this state for many years at many levels. I think he really believes in what Georgia Tech can do. So I think the offer would have to absolutely be right from the right place, uh, a massive major step up like a blue blood. And, of course, the money would, would, would have to really sweeten the pot. But he feels really great about where Tech is headed right now, and, and for good reason. Talk about Buster Faulkner then in particular, why he was at least mentioned as, hey, Mark Stoops from Kentucky may want. And by the way, I mean, we've seen head coaches, assistant coaches, coordinators, folks will leave at any time now. I mean, there are no more rules or borders. It's the Oklahoma land rush. Um, tell me about Buster Faulkner specifically, what happened with the offense, because there were talented kids on it for the past several years. Last year, it started to kind of hum on certain Saturdays. And in the case of the Miami game, it hummed for like five minutes at the very end. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The the Miami Gardens miracle we've we've come to call it now. Uh, um, here's here's the thing. It helped that they had a good offensive line. I think a lot of people don't realize that the Georgia Tech's line in some spots was young and inexperienced, but absolutely talented. Give Jeep Wade, the offensive uh, line coach, uh, a lot of credit for that. And it helped to loosen things up as far as the play call was concerned for Buster Faulkner. Uh, it helped that he had Haynes King, who put together, of course, numbers that only one other quarterback was able to do in America, that being Jaden Daniels, of course. Maybe we'll get to that in a moment. Haynes had a fantastic year. But Buster, with the talent that Georgia Tech had, some surprising talent, Jamal Haynes, who was a fine, fine sophomore Stein. running back. And then Eric Singleton was, you could probably argue, one of the top five freshman wide receivers in America. He was able to throw the ball and run the ball at the right spots during this season for this club, i.e., once we got into the back half of the season, he started to lean into the run game a little bit more. Once the offensive line got settled in, they were able to really lean into the run game. Now, look, uh, uh, Jamal Haynes ended up with a 1,000-yard rushing season, and Haynes King, the quarterback, got north of 700 uh, and 10 touchdown rushes, oh, by the way. Uh, Dante so Smith that- may be an NFL running back. Sure, he could be a, he could be a free agent signee. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. That, that's the thing. That's the thing is that the offensive line started to play so well, and it loosened things up for Faulkner. Keep in mind that offensive line last year was top uh, 15 in America, I think, in the fewest sacks allowed. Now, some of that was because in the back half of the year they started to lean into the run game just yep. a tad bit more. But uh, they they have some diversity. It's really surprising how good Georgia Tech's offense could be in 2024. Yeah, everybody uh, really got to eat last year, and it was so surprising to me because um, the offensive line, I'm talking about like the previous couple of seasons, Chris, there were some Saturdays Mm -hmm. just get the ball snapped without either a penalty or a drop snap or something. Like it was basic stuff going back to the offensive line, and it was a strength last year. Uh, Just And I don't mean to be cliched here, but like when Brent got hired, Brent Key got named head coach, I was like, well, I think one area that I'm going to start looking at is going to improve. Um, how is how is that reflective of him being the head coach, given his background playing and all that? Well, it's a it's a toughness thing. I mean, I, I could just throw out that one line and stop talking, and we can move on to the ne- to the next point. I mean, honestly, not not to sound like a smart aleck, really, that's the big thing. Uh, uh, Jeff Collins was great at, at getting the right recruits in here. Uh, uh, but the biggest thing was that team lacked toughness. Uh, you will not have a lack of tough, uh, toughness around Brent Key. There's no doubt about it. And Jeep Wade, his offensive line coach, again, is the type of guy who echoes every sentiment that Brent Key lays out there. They had a freshman left tackle in Ethan McKinney 
who has the potential to be all ACC moving forward over the next few years. They had a guy who was basically a walk-on or was a walk who, who performed extremely well. They're going to return four starters on the offensive line next year for Brent Key and two rotational guys as well, uh, which is obviously so very important in modern college football. Currently, the Georgia Tech Sports Network, he does sidelines. He can do play-by-play. He does studio stuff. It is Chris Mooneyham. Chris, I appreciate your time, friend. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, Chris Mooneyham again. Uh, all the Georgia Tech broadcast he's a big part of. So uh, it's just reflective. You think sometimes that that's going to be a given. It's not always the case. Um, I haven't been to hammer on this because I'm a big fan of Will Muschamp. But when he got to South Carolina, I was like, I know one. I, I, it's easy to say this, and you think it's like the low-hanging fruit, like batting practice. I'm about to be right, and it'll be easy. I know one part of that team's going to get fixed. It'll be defense. Specifically, it'll be defense up the middle. Specifically, it'll be safety. That is the one part of the defense, like the closest they ever got. I thought they had this kid, Jamias Williams, um, just this little tiny, just really athletic kid that kept, get, as I recall, I kept getting his shoulder hurt, I think. But he was an unbelievable playmaker. It just hurt. And he wasn't going to be a safety, so he's going to be a corner. And then maybe he wound up being a wide receiver at Tennessee. Do I remember? But Georgia State. Um, Oh, that bad Georgia State. That's right. Um, Jamias Williams, he played running back some, didn't he? Yeah, he moved over to offense. That's what it was. Just going to never stay healthy. But the one thing is I looked at Will Muschamp and I was like, I know what they'll get right. They never got that right. It never even got close. In fact, it at times was the weakest part of the team defense up the middle, deep, uh, secondary. Um, safety in particular with Brent Key. He was at Georgia Tech already. He got named head coach, and it turned. I mean, you snapped your fingers. And they immediately got tougher and meaner and more disciplined. And it just – you can be the position coach, and then it becomes a priority, like, for the program. Like, this is the corner we're going to fight out of. And, I mean, go back and watch when Sims was taking snaps. It's not an overstatement, folks. Getting the ball snapped before it became first and 15. That was kind – just get lined up. Not too many men up there. All right, not, and make sure we have enough and, and snap the ball in his hands, not his ankles. Like, get all of that before we lose five yards. That used to be the real goal. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show. Tuesday, nine states and 60 sticks. Thank you all so much for the blessing. 
we go back pre-2023 season kickoff, I'd say Quinn Ewers is maybe the, the number one kid that I'm most excited to see on a week-to-week basis. Now, as in 22, I didn't get to see him on a week-to-week basis. Uh, he got hurt again, shoulder, and so he missed some time. I think it was the shoulder, shoulder two years ago when Dallas Turner fell on him. So, But he was out for about three weeks. And a couple of weeks back, I was ranking, I don't know, just looking ahead to 2024 to quarterback play in the SEC. And Ewers and Beck and so many good kids. And I couldn't get past Nico. And I watched that bowl game. And that kid just, I watched him glide around on the field and just do magical things. It was one game, and I try not to be so affected. I, it looks like Tennessee got this one right. So we're going to talk a lot of stuff about college football, I promise you. Uh, but want to bring on right now uh, and start right there with Nico and what's ahead on Rocky Top from 247. National college football columnist, it is Brad Crawford. Brad, welcome, man. How you doing today? Good to hear from you, man. I'm ready for spring practice to start. A couple, couple weeks now, and we'll be full-fledged SEC football again. Yep, and then time for spring games uh, all jammed on the Saturdays on the SEC Network. Uh, give me your impressions of Nico, because I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and it turned into like a Carson Beck thing, and I was like, guys, we're going to come back and talk a lot of Nico uh, because of the promise and the whispers, and I know it was frustration with Joe Milton, but I heard during the season, oh, play him now. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to happen during the season. It was supposed to happen in the bowl game. Give me your impression of what Tennessee and Hype will have ahead uh, for the next couple of seasons, maybe. Most, you know, sort of like Carson Beck, he plays really well within the confines of an offense that's geared toward his skill set. You know, Bobo and Carson Beck had a great year last year in Athens. And then this season, Nico and Josh Heupel are going to perform really well. I think Tennessee's overall win totals at like eight and a half. I'd, I'd probably go Tennessee nine and three at worst because the schedule sets up for success. And we saw in limited action last year that Nico really did a good job of like I said, spreading it around to some receivers. And even though he lost some guys, you know, Brew McCoy's back, Squirrel White, there's still plenty of playmakers around Nico. And, and that's the biggest key in Knoxville. If, if he can get the ball have his hands quickly and, and do it accurate, two of his, you know, strong suits, the balls will be pretty good this year. So two years ago, Jackson Dart, wow, he's so much better of a runner and tough kid and all that than we were expecting than last year. Oh, wow, look at him, and he developed as a passer too. All right, well, what's going to happen in 24? Like, what do you think is the Lane Jackson Dart outcome this season? Oh, I think he's certainly a legitimate Heisman candidate. I'd probably put him in the preseason top five. I've got Ole Miss as a playoff team, man. The the schedule sets up for 10 or 11 wins. And, And in the expanded SEC with 12 teams making the playoff, that's going to be good enough to make it. And even without Quinshawn Judkins, you know, they, they added LSU's Logan Diggs in the portal. They've got Bentley coming back. But you look at the receivers around Jackson Dart, Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, Juice Wells from South Carolina. Man, this this is the best offense Kiffin's had. And, man, you know, he's, he's already had a 10-win season and an 11. So, you know, why not go for 12 here in 2024? All right, you don't get better by losing Jaden Daniels, but uh, you know it'd be worse. They lost nine. They they lost three games last year, nine and three. Um, yeah. Garrett Nussmeyer, tell me how seamless what it's going to look like. What's it going to be like? Because, like I said, record wise, they can be at least as good. Yeah, I think so too. And the big key there for me is getting C.J. Daniels, the top Liberty wideout, out of the portal to replace you know Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors, two guys who are probably going to go day one in April. Um, keeping Joe Sloan on staff as the quarterback coach and now the OC was vital to Brian Kelly's offense because he lost Mike Denbrock to Notre Dame. That was a big loss. He overhauled the defensive staff. But Joe Sloan, not only is he a good LSU recruiter, 
but he is also a guy who has helped develop Jaden Daniels into that Heisman winner last season. And I think Garrett Nussmeyer, he's rode the pine two and a half years now. He had four touchdown passes in his first start. I don't think Brian Kelly expects much of a drop-off, but you're not going to see the uh, quarterback power and, and quarterback run as much as you did last season. Uh, I mentioned Justice Haynes and Jam Miller. I heard about them. I mean, every single week, these kids, they're so good yeah. and stink. They're ready to roll, and then it never really was happening on Saturdays. Not much for them. Uh, either one of those kids going to emerge in a big way you would suspect this season? Yeah, for whatever reason, Bama went with Rodell Williams and Jace McClellan, you know, as, as the kind of one-two punch last year. And I'm, I'm with you, man. Justice Haynes is a former five-star, and he's a guy that I thought was going to be a true freshman impact player in Tuscaloosa. He is going to be that this year as a sophomore. He's going to get the line, share the carries. I think Kalen DeBoer's offense, although it's pass-heavy, with Jalen Miller at quarterback, you're going to see certainly a, a more balanced attack and sort of transitioning there into SEC ball. So, Justice Haynes certainly capable of a 1,000-yard season because I don't see Jalen Miro as a guy who's going to throw it 500-plus times. All right, wrapping up, just a couple more minutes. Brad Crawford, 247 Sports, National College Football Columnist. All right, I'm, I got to give you a setup here because Nick Harbour is a kid that last year, and I talked about this after it happened, I was watching Florida's at South Carolina. Yeah. And he had one catch for 45 yards. And I said, folks, because it's not the coach's copy, it's the TV, it's the broadcast, I was like, you saw Nick Harbour in the slot, and I was like, but that couldn't be him that caught it. There wasn't enough time for him to get down there. I ran it back like four times, and I was like, no, that was Nick Harbour. Um, he's freaky, different sort of, and he had almost no impact last year. Um, is there is there something coming here? Because in, in, I mean, brief snippets, I was like, okay, I see it. I wrote a story last week saying Nick Harbour could be South Carolina's wide receiver one. And to be honest with you, they need him to emerge as a go-to guy because they lost Juice Wells to Ole Miss. They lost Xavier Leggett, probably going to be a first-round pick in the 2024 NFL draft. And as you mentioned, Harbour's a guy who was still learning the wideout position in the SEC. I mean, he played tight end and defensive end in high school, five-star, four-three-five speed that you brought up. He's a guy that if he improves his hands in route running, that's the two biggest keys to beating SEC defensive backs each and every week. I think he's a guy who could certainly have a, you know, 50-catch, 800-yard type year with that new quarterback coming in in South Carolina. Yeah, it's it's silly looking what he can do. Uh, all right, uh, last stop. Uh, let's go up to Lexington and yeah. tell me what you think it's tell me what you think it's going to look like now with the new quarterback and the second new OC. Yeah, it's looking like a six and six type seven and five year for for Kentucky with you know Vanderbilt quarterback who by the way he signed with the Wildcats because he wanted to play under Liam Cohen yeah. based on what Cohen's been able to develop with you know Will Levis and Devin Leary and and now he doesn't have that can't leave Kentucky now but coaches can leave during the off season so um, I I do like Mark Stoops is higher but you know man that schedule's tough every year and unless Kentucky you know can run a balanced attack and is really good on the defensive line of scrimmage. I, I just don't see them getting eight wins. And that, that, that's kind of the magic number for Mark to uh, stick around for a long time. One outside the SEC I wanted to ask you about because is Ohio State. And what the number one receiver, team in the country. Well, yeah. And Chip Kelly, you talk about, <laughs> I mean, hand in the glove. I was like, you can go from Bill O'Brien to Chip Kelly. It's like, do it, do it. I'm not even a Buckeyes fan. Like, I just want to see this. Um, we think, all right, well, they got Egbuka. It's like, no, they got more than him. Uh, flesh out that Ohio because it's always it, – it's it's an NFL-level 
wide receiver core almost season yeah, to season. Is. They lose Marvin Harrison, who's as good as you can be as a college receiver, and I'm like, next. Uh, just give me your flyover of that group. Yeah, and, and they lost wide receiver two, Julian Fleming, to Penn State in the portal because yep. they've got the top-ranked player in the country coming in, Jeremiah Smith. He's a, he's a Marvin Harrison, Calvin Johnson, Randy Mo- I mean, every every scout I've talked to said that Jeremiah Smith's a guy who could have, you know, 10 touchdowns as a true freshman. He's going to be starting at the wide receiver three spot, I think. They got Will Howard in from Kansas State playing quarterback. Probably the deepest quarterback room in the country, you know, not named Texas with Ewers and Arch Manning. So, and, and oh, by the way, they've got two 1,500-yard rushers in Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins who Ole Miss could not afford to, to keep. So this is, this is make-or-break playoff uh, caliber year, Big Ten championship type year for Ryan Day. Look, man, if, if he can't do it with this group of talent on offense, it's, it's just not going to happen in Columbus. And give me your opinion about the Chip Kelly thing. I'm like, this is tasty, folks. I can't wait for it. Well, if you notice, most of these coaches who left jobs to either go to the NFL or take coordinator positions were on the hot seat. Jeff Halfley at Boston College was probably going to get fired. Sean Elliott at Georgia State going to South Carolina was probably going to get fired. And Chip Kelly was almost fired before the USC rivalry win uh, last season. So he, he's a guy who's not a fan of NIL, not a fan of recruiting, and now you know he has a wealth of riches in Columbus that he can just call plays like he did at Oregon and Mariota. Brad, appreciate the input, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Brad Crawford, 247 Sports. He writes about it all when it comes to uh, college football. So... When you played EA Sports college football back in the day and you would play solo, I don't even know the last time I had this. I've told you all I got the um, the Arena League came out with a console game for for uh, Nintendo or Sega or whatever it was. I don't, But I didn't know what it was. But I just knew it was, oh, yeah, that looks like the EA college football game, except now it's Arena League, and I was doing the Arena Games. Well, somebody from the Arena Football League got me on this list. They sent me a console, and they started sending me all the sports games. And so I was like, all right, I'm in. So this is like 05, 06, 07. Started getting all these sports games, including the college football game. Well, I realized there were controls on that thing. You can play against the computer and, like, change the settings. You basically can get whatever outcome you want. I was like, this is fantastic. This is what I always wanted to do in the arcade, but I was never good enough. There was this stand-up arcade machine, John Elway football, and it had this little, like, pin almost that you had to pull back and aim and release the spring-loaded, like, stick. Um, and I was never good at it. It required precision and patience. Um, I played this home console thing and just hammered everybody. Um, because you could change the settings. Well, that's what you almost got to do now. Change the settings. And I think you just did with Chip Kelly. Like, that's the equivalent here. It's like you went in and said, you know, all right, uh, the defense and you, I'm turning off uh, offsides or I'm turning off 12 men in the huddle or I'm turning off the play clock. I can take as long as I want, um, it, whatever it is. Like, I, that's Chip Kelly and all of this offense. He didn't even mention, I don't know, uh, did he mention Carnell Tate? I don't think he did. He mentioned the big, giant, monster, five-star freshman in this class. He didn't mention the one from last class. 
Marvin Harrison. Calvin Johnson. I have to go back. I'm going to say Marvin Harrison is as ready as Calvin Johnson. His freshman year at Georgia Tech, I was like, he's ready. He's done. For a wide receiver, I was like, yeah. Slightly before that, about six, five, six years, I'd watch Randy Moss at Marshall. He's just playing against children. And then he had a bowl game against Ole Miss, and so it wasn't just level of competition. I was like, no, nah, he's playing against kids. It's rare that you see a receiver that it's just it's different. Like, the kid has no shot. Whoever's on defense, kid's got no shot. Marvin Harrison, when they had nothing else happening against Michigan, they're like, all right, well, just where's Marvin? Uh, all right, I'm throwing it to him. That was kind of the plan. <laughs> where's Marvin? Throwing it to him. So, and in college, you can still kind of get that done a little bit. In the NFL, it's rare. Like, in the NFL, it has to be somebody like Calvin. It has to be somebody like Julio. Um, Marvin Harrison might be the second. He won't be the first overall pick. He might be the second overall pick. Doesn't Washington have the second overall pick? And they've got Sam Howell. So, I mean, you have idea how. I think I mentioned the other day to somebody. It's like week 14. I looked at the NFL stats. Sam Howell's leading the NFC in passing yards. Marvin Harrison is so great. He could go second overall. The kid he mentioned, Fleming, who transferred to Penn State, go look at him. He looks like an MMA fighter. Unbelievable uh, receiver potential. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm tired of this. <laughs> Studs everywhere. Those guys left. They've got the best wide receiver core in America. It's unbelievable what they're doing up there, man. So I don't know when they lose uh, Heartline, uh, what that's going to do, you know, as far as unfolding that uh, legacy. But, boy, they're good, and it's going to be rolling along. And Chip Kelly, he has he has better players on his side offensively than he's had at any time in his college career, and that includes the 2010 Oregon team he coached at the national championship game. This is better than that bunch, I promise you. Promise you. All right, we're going to break. Wrap up next. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. If Coach Bryant or Coach Bowden could all of a sudden be with us tonight, what the, what would they think of college football right now? But, but that should be the very reason that we're all very much committed to what we can do to make college football something where players have a great quality of life, but we still have a venue where they have an opportunity to grow and learn and be successful. <laughs> Nick Saban, and he was in Birmingham at the end of the hallway, shouting down to the uh, Nick Saban was in Birmingham until Miss Terry decided that it was time to leave. They had prior engagement. So Nick Saban talking to a group in Birmingham and Miss Terry was every like if whenever you see your favorite coach and he's in a public setting where he can lean in and answer like it's not scheduled for instance, but it's either after practice and, or it's media days and he's in the lobby. Whenever it's something where a reporter or five or who can just like put a microphone for a question or two, the most, uh, it's takes such skill. Most valued member of the PR team at that point is the elbow tug guy. Can be a female, but it's the elbow tug guy is the phrase. 
And I remember there, UF used to have an elbow tug. He was masterful. And what you do is after the first question, the elbow tug guy leans in and looks like he's tugging the coach. The coach has to go now. The coach is expecting it. Okay? Nobody's going to put hands on Urban Meyer and start dragging him anywhere. Urban is, when's the tug coming? When's the, and suddenly the elbow, hey, guys, I, you heard him. I have to go. The elbow tug guy. Miss Terry, now that he's not employed really from Alabama, Heath, there's no elbow tug guy anymore, is there? Like, is that Miss Terry? Uh, it appears that she might be uh, because she's always been the ultimate elbow tug for Nick Saban, even when he was uh, active. So, yeah, now that he doesn't have Jeff Puritan or whoever the last version of Jeff was hanging around him, then, yep, she's the one. So he's uh, he's out on speaker circuit and he's doing all kinds of things, but they had a dinner with the Beamers, I believe, that they wanted to get to. So uh, that's Nick Saban. He's continuing to busy himself. Uh, how's your day, Heath? Well, uh, a couple of things here, Chuck. One... Uh, the folks at the Pac-12, specifically the Pac-2 or the Tupac, as some people prefer to call it, uh, Oregon State, Washington State, Dennis Dodd of CBS reporting that they received, quote, a few million dollars extra these next two years. And he says whether that was directly responsible for Schultz switching his vote is not known. Dennis, I'll help you out. Yes, yes, that that was responsible. Um However, Let me opine as well that they could have gotten it for even cheaper if they wanted to wait longer, but they just wanted to get this done. So they threw them a couple of uh, like casino chips and then they got this done. Yeah, he says that the uh, the pack two had been asking for autonomy five status going forward. It's like huh. it's nice to ask for things. Uh, I don't think there's a chance on this earth that they got that, but they did get a little bit of money out of it. And hey, if you're Oregon State. You'll take what you can get right now. Same thing for Washington State. Also, Chuck, you've got multiple jobs. And so over time, you have to decide for yourself, what's the kind of job you want? Do you want the job that pays the most regardless of how hard it is? Do you want maybe a cushy job that doesn't pay quite as much but doesn't require a lot of effort? This sounds like a great job. The Pac-12 has named Teresa Gold to be his new commissioner Effective March 1st, being commissioner of a conference that is already dying and and all you have to do is just basically make sure you answer the phone when either Oregon State or Washington State calls. That sounds like a really good gig. I don't know what they're paying her compared to what they're paying Klievkov, but uh, that sounds like a great gig to me. Yeah, this is Bud Fox getting put on the board at the airline. Um, Good for you. Yeah, she was she was the second in command. So it's just like. We don't care. We we don't want to ever see George Klievkoff again. Forget about talking to him. We don't want to see this guy again. So we're bumping you up, and I'm not sure what you're going to do, really. But uh, you know what you what you're not going to do is you're not going to be George Klievkoff telling us. You know, I still think if you just listen to me about Apple TV, we could have really made some dough here. We just don't want to ever see that guy again. And so she gets the chance to to take the wheel for at least a certain period of time. She does, at least in, I guess, while legally accurate, this may be misleading. So in a Bill Clinton sort of way, it's true. Um, she is the first female commissioner of uh, Power 5, Autonomy 5, whatever conference. So that's true. Also got one number for you, Chuck. Matt Connolly put this together for On 3 Sports I think it's safe to say we all know Clemson's receivers have fallen off a little bit oh, the last gosh. couple of years. They look good. But check out this number. Each of the last two seasons, 
Every team in the ACC has had a wide receiver that averaged more yards per game than Clemson's top wide receiver. So translating that, out of every team's leading wide receiver, Clemson's leading wide receiver for yardage was 14th of 14 in the conference each of the last two years. Chuck, how is that even possible? You know what? It's it's possible that the crew they replaced, we talked about this, might have been Florida State. If you go back like three years ago, I had folks tell me we have the 14th ranked receiver crew in the ACC. And I was like, how is that possible from Florida State? Clemson, they Bo Collins and all that, like all they've had name after name after the big Frank Ladson, um, just tons of big time recruits come in there and it hasn't happened. Quarterback kept finding a new home, Oregon State now FSU himself. So. Heath, David, everybody, thank y'all for two hours. We're gonna take twenty two off, recharge the batteries, get ready for tomorrow, and be back with. Two more hours of college football conversation right here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Sir Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.